This is Bulls Beat on USF Bulls Unlimited. Each weekday morning, Bulls Beat is your stop for exclusive interviews, highlights, and the very latest on all sports at the University of South Florida. With today's show, here's your host, Derek Sharp. Our busiest Monday show in quite some time. We could have just gone 30 minutes easily with the basketball victories. Such were the noteworthy achievements in both games, the career-high performance for Sammy Puisis, 28 points in the win on Saturday night against Tulane, and then a first victory in the conference slate for the men's basketball team, which also featured plenty of great highlights, and you'll hear those coming up here shortly. But we also have some football staffing news. We have men's tennis getting the season started this weekend, and we'll begin with a third straight national championship for the USF co-ed cheer squad. This took place at Walt Disney World Complex in Orlando over the weekend. There were several different events. The big one was the last one, Division 1A cheer, and it went to USF. Edging out Kentucky, Ohio State finished with the bronze medal just ahead of UCF. You see schools like Oklahoma and Alabama and Tennessee in the top 10, but your Bulls were number one. If you want to watch the rebroadcast of the event, of course you can skip right to USF's championship performance just go to my Twitter page. I put out the link at Derek Sharp, D-A-R-E-K-S-H-A-R-P. When there's a national championship, yes, you get top billing on Bulls Beat. Now on to, as I said, plenty of new members to Alex Golish's, and it is a staff now. We're not just talking about coaches, and we'll run them all down for you. And again, pass more information on all these individuals as we get to know them a little bit better. But the director of player development will be Jeff Jones. He has been in football the longest of all the names we're about to give you. As a matter of fact, he will be entering his 30th year as an educator, administrator, teacher. So he's done a lot. He's been a principal at four high schools in Ohio. He's also been a high school football coach. As far as college coaching, no, but he's not going to be a coach. He's going to be the director of player development, overseeing the Bulls' development and growth in the community and in-campus engagement, so a lot of off-the-field stuff that's being taken care of here on Alex Golish's staff. He said on GoUSFBulls.com to Golish, I'm honored and excited Coach Jones is joining us at USF and employing his tremendous experience in education and coaching to the overall development of our Bulls players. And here's the connection. I played for him and experienced firsthand his outstanding ability as a mentor and teacher of student-athletes And I'm so excited our players will also have the opportunity to benefit from his leadership and wisdom. Well, I'm looking forward to meeting Coach Jones here soon, Principal Jones for that matter. So if you had to go usfbulls.com right now and look at the football coaching staff, it is pretty much filled out. But the football support staff is even bigger, and it does still have some holdovers. We're glad to see Albert Boone still around as the Associate AD of Football Operations and a name that has officially been kept on the roster And this is especially noteworthy. He's known for being a big-time recruiter, especially in the Polk County area. Will Baylor is on Alex Golish's staff officially as the Director of High School Relations and Recruiting. And three other new names, their bios aren't yet up, but I did a little hunting around. Efi Levy, who was a Director of Player Personnel sort at Kent State and before that spent five years on the Florida State Seminole staff is the new director of player personnel for USF. And two young women added to the staff, including 
Taylor McDaniel, who graduated from Arkansas State in 2020, spent four years working in football operations with that Red Wolves program, then went to Kansas State. Last year was Nebraska, the Nebraska Director of Recruiting Operations. Again, Taylor McDaniel. And then Ryland Powell, who was a GA with the JMU, James Madison football program. I'll have to introduce myself to a lot of new people around the football offices here over the next few weeks. We can also tell you that, and I would anticipate giving you news on this this week, that there will be a chance to meet Coach Golish in person. We will do a football radio show. The plan is to do it live on location right before recruiting day, so just keep that in the back of your mind, and we'll announce it officially here soon. Let's get to some winning basketball highlights. The men took their first conference victory of the year on Sunday afternoon in Greenville, as heard on USF Bulls Unlimited, Jim Lighthall and Joey Johnston. I laugh immediately because I think of the video they put out. Hopefully you saw it on Saturday from the USF Men's Basketball Twitter account. If not, go back and watch it as they did the whole pirate theme. Don't worry, you'll hear plenty of pirate references here once we get to the second half highlights. We'll just play the end of the first half as East Carolina and the Bulls went back and forth. Neither team expanded beyond what the Bulls had at one point, a four-point lead of 15-11 to 11 as Celton Miguel hit a couple of threes as the Bulls were hitting their threes. Boy, is this team much better when they're doing that. However, East Carolina, despite being without its top scorer, Javon Small, and kind of their co-best three-point shooter, was still up by three itself going into the last 90 seconds before the Bulls ended the half strongly. Ryan Conwell looking at a zone this time down. ECU has really switched up their defense. Down low to Hines, off the window and in. A lot of contact, and Russell Chiwa was holding off the whole defense, screening the opening for Sam yeah. Hines. He, he was the lookout. He had the, <laughs> he had it cleared off for Sam Hines to make a nice little layup and cut it to one. 31-30. DeBunjay with a three, misses. Long rebound to the backside. Offensive rebound for ECU. Cross-court pass again. They go baseline. Conwell cuts him off. Off the window. Wild shot. Misses. Sam Hines comes down with the rebound. Here come the Bulls. Outlet pass to Ryan Conwell. Now they're running. 46 seconds to go. First half. Runner with the right hand by Ryan Conwell, and he got it to go, and the Bulls have the lead. And there's a near steal by USF. They did get the turnover on the outlet pass. Couple of dribbles. Now off to Selton Miguel. ECU in a scramble mode. Dump inside to Russell. He's loose. Layup is good. Throws up a floater with the left hand off the rim, no good. DeBoe tips it, that's no good, and Keyshawn Bryant gets the rebound to finish the defensive possession, and the Bulls will go to the locker room up 34-31. What a nice run by USF over the last 80 seconds or so, Joey, a 6-0 run to take it to the locker room. Yep, and very, very good defense on that last possession. Really was not a spectacular first half, but as you heard, a very strong finish and a good balance for the Bulls as far as scoring went with six different players getting between four and eight points, led by Miguel. As I mentioned, he at the two threes. Bulls were five for 11 on threes in the first half, but just one of two at the free throw line, which, as we know, can be a tricky spot. Well, in the second half, the Bulls had better numbers there, and they had particularly strong performances by two individuals. Try 19 points from Tyler Harris, who got it going from three-point range, and we mean deep, and Russell Chiwa, who was phenomenal with 15 points, seven of 10 at the line himself. So, a nice extended highlight reel of the second half as the Bulls continue to extend the lead in any time, and this is the big difference, because as we know, the Bulls have had double-digit leads twice in conference play, and they've led in each of their first four conference games with three minutes to go before not being able to close the deal. In this case, any time it looked like the Pirates were getting back into it, 
a bull would make a shot on the very next possession. So plenty of fun stuff here, and we'll end it with, oh yeah, another Keyshawn Bryant highlight reel dunk as the Bulls get their first conference victory of the season. Here's Tyler Harris quickly the other way to Self Miguel, and the Bulls now find themselves down 43-42 because ECU's made four of their last five shots. Hines to Harris, long distance three. That is good, Tyler Harris again from way downtown. Oh, he's an electric confidence player, and that will certainly get his mind in a good direction that gives the Bulls back the lead. Gets to the elbow, now to Harris. He's going to load up another three from long range. That's another one! That's another one! Wow, from the depths of the ocean, Tyler Harris for three. Voyage to the bottom of the sea by Tyler Harris in color. <laughs> that was an amazing shot. Tyler Harris, when he gets rolling, he is, he is something else. Bulls have a five-point lead, their largest. Here's Jameer Chaplin, left wing. Back to Harris. Is he going to do it again? He almost pulled Thought the trigger. Now to the high post to Chiwa. Ball fake. Goes right through a man. Running layup. It's good. Russell Chiwa. It's an 8-0 run. The Bulls have made five in a row, and they come bouncing off the bench to our right. USF leads 50-43. to Bulls are rolling, and it was spurred by Tyler Harris. Russell Chiwa at the high post. DeBoe back in the game. He's going to put it on the floor, get to the low block. Trying to get over that left shoulder, back out to Harris. He steps back, launches another jumper. Got another jumper! Tyler Harris, there she blows! He sticks another one in the pirate ship. And the Bulls lead now by 10. What a roll that's been infused by Tyler Harris's long-range shooting. He's got a trio of three-pointers in this little run that's now 11. Second free throw by Big Russ. That one also misses, but Jameer Chaplin runs it down in the near corner. Chap to the baseline, now to Tyler Harris, and he almost threw it Almost away. threw it to Brian Gregory. <laughs> Here's Harris, and now Russell Chiwa's going to go to the basket. A runner off the window and in, the seven-footer putting it on the floor, and the Bulls are back up ten. That's the kind of move I don't know if we've ever seen from Russell Chiwa, where he just turns and spins and goes right to the basket. Here come the Bulls the other way. Tyler Harris gets a screen from Chiwa. Got to be patient. Run your offense. Conwell puts it on the floor, passes off to Jameer Chaplin, goes left. Off a screen to the elbow, now to Jake Boggs. He's going to load up a three in the corner. That's good! Jake Boggs, his second of the game, and it couldn't have come at a bigger time. Bulls up 12, 61 to 49. They've hit nine three-pointers, 19 attempts. Excellent from long range today. And ECU has cut it to single digits, 64 to 55. 6.45 to go in this game. Selt Miguel outside the arc, steps back, launches a three. Got it! Oh, is that one big! Miguel puts the Bulls up 12, and they match their largest lead. Now back to Selton, right wing. Comes off a screen from Boggs. Here's Harris. He's free. Now he hesitates. Now he gets into the paint. Hangs, glides off the window and in. Tyler Harris, a contested floater. He's got 18. Man, his starting and stopping is so darn good. He's so hard to defend. Bulls lead by 14. Johnson got it blocked on a dunk attempt by Keyshawn Bryant. Here's Selton Miguel. Ball fake gets it to Tyler Harris in the corner. He's going to launch a three. He got another one. He got another one. The Pirates are sinking like Davy Jones' locker. Bulls by 14. LeCount is all over Harris. There's an outlet pass to Bryant. He's going to the basket. He's going to dunk it. Oh, my God. He dunked it over the whole building. He dunked it over everybody. Me, you, the band, the staff. Keyshawn Bryant sprinted to the right side, went up, and just didn't matter who was in his way. He was throwing that down. Holy smokes. 77-61. Keyshawn Bryant. There wasn't anybody going to stop him on that play. 
Nobody. Look out below. And yes, I told you there were plenty of, they had those lines ready to go. Man, what a great job by everybody, including our broadcasters in this game. Tyler Harris, spectacular. 24 points, 5 of 8 on threes in the contest. He also had 4 assists. Russell Chiwa had some tremendous moves. He was 8 of 12 at the line. You heard he missed two free throws, but that turned into a great move from the rack by Chiwa himself. He also grabbed seven boards. 11 boards for Sam Hines. He was 2 of 8 from the floor, but helped out in that regard and had four assists. Keyshawn Bryant, eight points and 10 rebounds himself. Rebounding category ended up being even, but yes, the Bulls were nearly 50% on three-point shooting. 11 for 23 with Miguel adding three himself. Jake Boggs, great to hear him add the couple. And overall from the floor, the Bulls were a tidy 50%. Good to see the other team turn it over more than the Bulls. Pirates coughed it up 15 times. The Bulls 13, and USF gets the much-needed win. First head coach Brian Gregory and then Keyshawn Bryant, both of whom who joined our radio crew post-game. Congratulations. This one had to feel especially good. You played a tremendous basketball game today, and you slammed the door at the end. Yeah, we did We did a good job. You know, again, <laughs> I look, I just told the staff and told the team, I mean, 81 points, you're going to hit broken record. If we can get good defensively, like really good, and continue to do a better job on the glass, we got a, a lot of great things ahead the rest of the year, so we got we to gotta keep tightening that up. But... We did a great job of taking care of the basketball. There was a couple maybe a little loose there at the end, but for the most part did a good job. Did a much better job on our defensive glass in the first half. They had 10 offensive rebounds in the first half, and then they end up with 16, but they got four in the first four minutes. So the, the last 16 minutes, we did a great job of making them only take one shot. They lead the league in free throw attempts per game, uh, and they shot three more than we did, but it wasn't 10 more or 15 more. You know, we did a good job of getting to the free throw line. Um, I told Russ, you want to average 12 or 20, make your free throws, and he's doing a good job of that, obviously. But we, had, we, we got a lot of good basketball from a lot of guys. You know, if we can hold teams to 38%, be good on the glass and take care of the ball and go 11 or 23 from the three, you know, we're, we're going to be in, in a lot of games, and today we finished it. You know what I mean? We finished it, and that was good to see. So Tyler Harris is coming off a 31-point game, and you're trailing 43-42. He hits back-to-back three-pointers to give you the lead for good, hits another one a few minutes later, and it's an 11-0 run. I mean, we've seen what he can do, but certainly when you needed it, he came through today. Yeah, really good execution, you know, and, and, and one of the things that not only Tyler, but everybody outside of Russell that's on the court needs to really embrace, learn, embrace, and is when they pass and move, they're the ones that are the recipients after another pass or drive. And Tyler got three of them off of other people's drives. He didn't, you know, yo-yo the ball and shoot those three. You know what I mean? And so we got we to gotta keep getting better at that. You know, Sam had three really good looks from the three. He's got to keep taking those. But those were created off other people. Selton had a couple. Tyler had them. Ryan had a couple. You know, and the other thing that happens is, when we miss those shots, we're in great rebounding position, especially Russell, because he's usually on that weak side. And that's why, you know, he gets four offensive rebounds. Sam gets four offensive rebounds. So it's all about the flow on offense. Um, and our guys are no different than anybody else. When things are going good on offense, we have a little bit of a tendency to play better defense. So 
you know, I'm proud of the guys. And, you know, you know, some of the plays that were made were we needed to be physical, we needed to be tough, and we had that today. Eight points today, season high, ten rebounds. First of all, congratulations on the win. Thank you. How sweet does this one taste? Oh, man, it felt great, you know, getting the first road win. And, you know, most importantly, just we've been starting slow for the conference. So just getting our first win, you know, it felt great, especially coming on the road. Keyshawn, you end up with uh, with 10 rebounds and did a lot of dirty work. And for some, I'm looking at these stats. They don't show you with any blocks, which I, I don't understand that. <laughs> I counted like at least three. So talk about, I mean, everybody's going to talk about the dunks, of course, but the things that you contributed to the team beyond scoring today. Uh, so, you no, know, coming into the game, you know, me and the coaches talked about just being more of an athletic guy. Just play your game, you know, don't try to hunt shots, play what gets you going. You know, I told them, you no know, rebounding gets me going. So being dirty and being aggressive, that got me going, and it, it showed today. I'll tell you what gets me going is you being above the rim. <laughs> Today you go baseline here to our right, just a just a crushing thunder dunk. Joey and I have kind of gotten used to the point now if there's a little opening, we know where you're going, and it seems like you know where you want, and you want to dunk on everybody. <laughs> I'm going straight to the rim every time. <laughs> is it, are you just kind of making it up in the air, or is it uh, let's let's put this on somebody's forehead or what? Uh, if, if Russ set a good, a good uh, screen down low, it's whatever goes up in there with me. <laughs> so, Keyshawn, in the big picture, you come in at 0-4, although you were in all those games, could have won several of them, uh, but I know you weren't happy with it. So what was your state of mind about the team now, and then how big of a win is this to get you going in a good direction? Uh, my state of mind has been the same, you know, just trying to be the older guy of the team and keep the, keep the team together most importantly. So, like I said, my main, my main thing is trying to lead. Come here and lead. Don't try to do too much. Take what I can from BG and the rest of the coaches and then go from there. Again, that was from our post-game show. Really appreciate Brian Gregory spending so much time there after each game, win or lose. And, of course, wonderful to see the team enjoy a victory in this case. Can they make it two in a row? You like the chances. Going up against Cincinnati at home on Wednesday. And then, by the way, a very dangerous UCF team, which got set back a little bit this weekend, but that's going to be a war indeed Saturday afternoon at noon. Not looking too far ahead, but we'll go ahead and do it. This weekend, back-to-back, wars on I-4. Saturday, the men at noon. Sunday, the women at 2. But a real chance to, in those two games, not only to get two more wins, obviously, but get back to 500. Bulls are at 8-10 and 10 right now. And that win on Sunday jumped them up 21 spots in the net ranking to 158. The Bulls were outside of the top 200 not too long ago. And I'll tell you right now, if they beat UCF, they'll easily be in the top 150. So moving on up, continuing to do so. Of course, the women's team has been ranked very highly all year long. We got to enjoy another victory in conference play on Saturday night and a career high by one of the leaders on the team. Those highlights and Jose Fernandez Coming up next, we'll also tell you how men's tennis fared in its first two matches over the weekend when Bulls Beat continues. Back to the beat. Bulls Beat continues with Derek Sharp. So last week when we had both basketball teams play on Wednesday night, you may recall we had the women's contest against Memphis on Bulls Unlimited and the men's game at Houston was on the strike, 102.5 HD2. We'll flip that around. Anytime they're playing at the same time, at least for basketball, the plan is to go with the home game on Bulls Unlimited and the road game on the strike. This Wednesday, we just said the men will be at home against Cincinnati. The women will be at Houston. That should be a tricky one. We'll do our own separate conference show around the American. It'll air later on on Monday afternoon. Even though the Cougars lost this weekend, they are a dangerous team, and it was their first conference loss. 
the Bulls stayed perfect in conference play and followed the same script in doing so. All five times they played a conference game, it's been close at the half, and then a tremendous third quarter would be the turnaround point in the game. This time, the third quarter was kind of a precursor. It was needed, but then the fourth quarter is when something really special happened. Tulane was the opponent. The Green Wave had come off a first conference victory, and they just looked like a confident team. Even when the Bulls went ahead 12-5 to early, and we thought, oh, this is it's going to be the first time the Bulls had a comfortable lead in the first half. No, the Green Wave went on a nice little scoring streak. The Bulls went from being up 16-12 to before missing 10 of their next 11 shots. In and around the same time, Tulane was hitting 10 out of 16. And that 10th make was a three-pointer that made it 29-20 Green Wave. So, you know, shout out to the third quarter, but the end of the first half was pretty important as well because the Bulls would close to within 31-29. So to recap, in conference play, first game was actually at Tulane. Bulls were down 29-28 at the break, outscored Tulane by 10 in the third quarter, win 69-61. Then in Tampa against Temple, Bulls were only up three at the half, outscored Temple by 10 in the third quarter, win by 22. Then to Wichita State, down four late in the first half, would rally for a 31-30 lead, and then the 25-6 third quarter. But back to a 10-point third quarter advantage in the most recent game when the Bulls were again just up by three at the half. This time, they were down 31-29, and it was interesting to hear Danny Hughes Assistant coach tell me right at halftime, right after the end of the first half, that the Bulls needed to hit the offensive glass. Well, go figure. Their first offensive trip featured a fifth-chance basket. That would be big, and so would Sammy Puisis. Wilson up to Puisis, unmarked for three. Good. Sammy Puisis knocks it down, and Lisa Stockton calls a T.O. A 10-0 run for the Bulls has him on top, 41-33. Inocencio. With Middleton out on her, bounces it to Chinecki, tries to drive around Hakes, gets the baseline out to Poises, wide open for three, good. Three for three, gets a yell out, looks at Chinecki, says thank you very much for the assist, and the Bulls indeed have their largest lead. Crowd on its feet here. And the crowd would keep rising to its feet as Sammy Poises' point total kept rising here in the fourth quarter. Jones, a long foul line jumper, no good, and Dulce grabs a rebound. See if they can get it to her for a double-double. She's got 11 points, but just eight rebounds. I'm sorry, 11 rebounds, eight points. Puisis has got a lot of points. 25, that's one shy of her career high as she sinks another three, and it's 55 to 47. Five for nine on threes. What a second half for Sammy Puisis in this game. Bulls four for six on the flight of the three-pointers in this half. All of them courtesy of Sammy Puisis, who has a dedicated runner on her and Rachel Hakes right now. Puisis is going to set a screen. You know it's going to be a pick and roll. Right to her, and boom! Sammy Puisis, her career high with 28 points. And Tulane calls timeout. Listen to the crowd. Remember when Sammy Puisis was struggling to hit shots in the game? Neither do I. Bulls have their biggest lead. It's 58-47. The definition of shooters keep shooting. In the first half, she started off after making her first shot one for seven. She would hit her last two in the half, nine points. The Bulls, though, in that first half, only nine for 27 from the floor. Helped out a lot by going perfect at the free throw line 
eight for eight. Offensive rebounds were even at the half. They would favor the Bulls seven to three in the second half and rebounding in general fully in favor of the Bulls. It was basically even at the break. 42-29 ended up being the final count thanks to a 23-11 second half effort. Mind you, Tulane was a team that had outboarded Wichita State by nine and the Shockers are one of the best rebounding teams in the country. So as much as Sammy Puisis's 28 points got the headlines deservedly the second half effort not just on the glass but defensively for the Bulls don't forget about that Tulane was 7 of 23 right around 30 percent in that second half in case you weren't dialed in on Saturday night or one of the 2500 at the Yingling Center here's some of my chat with head coach Jose Fernandez right after the game hey, Sammy Puisis a career high 28 points and 19 points in the second half speak about her performance coach I thought when she got her feet set and she got going I told our guys, I, I think we gotta, we got to get her the ball and feed her and get her into open spaces, you know, and, and she did that. We knew what we were going to get with Tulane, you know. Mm. Every time we play, and it's a battle back and forth. But, you know, second half, I thought now we, when Dulce was doubled, we made some different things where, where we needed to, to post her up and send cutters uh, from different places. I thought we defended a lot better in the second half in regards to side pick and roll and middle pick and roll stuff. Five conference games down. There's only 11 left. Uh, we got a brutal next two weeks where we got six games in the next two weeks in February. It was, a little, it was a little nicer for us, but it was good to see us. You know, L struggled a little bit in that in that first half, and then we came out in that first set where we got her on a drive to get her going. But you know, proud of our Proud of our team, proud on how we defended the second half. I'm glad we can close out games in the second <laughs> half. That they can definitely do. So Puiz is 28, Chinecki with 14, Dulce Fankamengiadu 10 points and 16 rebounds, and Carla Brito continues to pick up the offensive play of late with 12 points and five boards. And if you're listening to the broadcast or the replay, I completely missed out on the Elena Chinecki being in foul trouble. You know why? Because she only had one foul with two minutes to go in the third quarter. It wasn't even on my radar. She got a charge call and then fouled on a three-point shot. This was right after the Bulls went up by nine, so it didn't seem like that big of a deal at the time. And then, less than 30 seconds into the fourth quarter, got another foul, and that's why she went out of the game. She got doubled in scoring by Puisis, but Chinecki still is the team's leading scorer, 17.2. Sammy at 16.5, and right on 16 points per game, and more than 12 boards on average now is Dulce Fankamengiato. Brito, with her scoring of late, is up to nine points as an average, so if she keeps it going, you're going to have four bulls and double figures. 16-4, and four, will they finally be ranked today? I would have said no based on what happened during the week, but now it's really going to be interesting to see how the pollsters handle the results at the bottom of the rankings, namely in the ACC and with Texas. Texas, a team that, yes, the Bulls beat in Austin, and a Texas team that did not get any votes in last week's polls, AP or coaches. However... The Longhorns beat two ranked teams, including an impressive win against Iowa State, which jumped Texas into the 10 spot in the computer rankings. So from no votes to top 25, quite possible. We know Kansas is dropping out. ACC is really going to be interesting because NC State loses twice last week. Florida State blitzed them, but then Florida State turned around and lost to Louisville yesterday. I would have said FSU was definitely getting ranked until then. But then again, Louisville could get ranked. So it's going to be a jumble with the Bulls and the ACC. And oh yeah, Oregon got beat by Washington State in overtime yesterday. So Oregon could fall out. 
and be replaced by Washington State? No, maybe Southern Cal, which beat second-ranked Stanford on Sunday. So there's a lot of Power 5 action that's influencing the bottom of the rankings, and we'll just see where the Bulls pop in there. And the ironic part is there could be a non-power team get in, and it's not named South Florida because Middle Tennessee State continues to ride. Whatever is the case, we'll tell you on tomorrow's show. We'll hopefully also tell you about a victory for men's tennis. Two different type matches over the weekend. First of all, they didn't play Friday. We knew that was going to be the case with the rain in Boca Raton. They lost to Rice on Saturday, 4-3 Bulls. Had the lead in that one. Got the doubles point as the two returning starters for the Bulls, Bruno Oliveira and Alvin Todorica, clinched it at the two spot. 7-5, and Eric Avelius and Thomas Pavlikovich-Smith, two new Bulls, were the number one team and won 6-3. So in singles, you need to split them if you're the Bulls, minimum, and they got two easy wins at singles. From Gravelius, the Georgia transfer, 6-2, 6-1 at the two spot. Also from Oliveira at number four, 6-2, 6-2. However, Rice won easily, at least in straight sets, including a pair of six-love first sets, at the fifth and the sixth spots. So there were two close matches in singles. The Bulls needed to win one of them. To Dorica, who was the sixth player for the Bulls last year, debuts at number one and wins his first set 6-1, but ends up, and this is what it all came down to, losing in a third set tiebreaker. So the Bulls, a tough one. Then on Sunday, they get shut out, but a lot closer than that makes it sounds. Cal Santa Barbara, a team that went 17-6 and last season, gets the doubles point and two very easy straight set victories at the one and four spots. So there were four matches going on, and depends on how you look at it. Cal Santa Barbara, of course, just needs to win one. The Bulls have to win all four. But they were thinking about it because all four matches went to a third set. However, Davide Tortora was the first to drop that third set, and that ended the play. Now, it was 4 nothing. That's the final score. But the Bulls actually had Gravelius up 6-5 in his third set, and two other players were in the third set at 3-2. Oliveira and Elijah Cham getting his first start. So a little bit closer than the final score makes it sound, but Cal Santa Barbara still deserved that victory. So today, we'll see if the Bulls can bring home a victory, but it should be pointed out, FAU has played the same two opponents and did slightly better against each, beating Rice 4-3. Now they lost to Cal Santa Barbara, but it was 4-2, and the last two singles matches both went to a third set tiebreaker, so... That's how it ended. If FAU wins both of those tiebreakers, it wins the match. But once the number three singles tiebreaker in the third set was clinched by Santa Barbara, it ended things technically 4-2. to two. And more than a small interesting side note, FAU's top player, Nicholas Acevedo, sat out the Rice match and won his match yesterday against Santa Barbara 6-1-6 love. And is a Wichita State transfer who went 15-9 last year for the Shockers, but didn't play against the Bulls, so a lot of intrigue this afternoon. It should be a tough one, and the Bulls hope to bring home a victory. Hey, speaking of bringing home a victory, congratulations again to the three-time defending national champion now, USF cheerleading squad. Starting on tomorrow's show, some of my conversations with members of the softball team had a great time on Friday morning. First of all, I was placed in the ESPN Plus replay booth. Their whole video headquarters is right there in the Muma Center, so they had a big room, a soundproof room set up for me and got to talk to a lot of familiar names, including some familiar names that I hadn't actually spoken to, didn't realize they were such characters like Emily Hanlon and Jules, Julia Morocco. Who's going to be the ace pitcher? I think it's going to be spread out. And we spoke to many of those candidates like Peyton Dixon, a big lefty who was hurt last year, didn't get to pitch. Gabriella Nori, the grad transfer 
from St. Thomas Aquinas High School and spent her college career up at Lehigh, actually pitched against the Bulls last year. And then Lexi Kopko, Vivian Pond, also talked to some transfers like Marissa Trivalpiece, Alyssa Reno, whose story is incredible of how she got a tryout with the team. And Ken Erickson obviously liked what he saw. Ryan Eigenman, who was the leading hitter and stolen base person as a catcher at Central Connecticut State last year. So it's a very fun group, and you'll start to hear those conversations on tomorrow's Bulls Beat. That'll wrap up the Monday show. I'm Derek Sharp.